Hello, and welcome to the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and I want to talk a little bit here before I introduce my guest, who I think you are absolutely going to be, you know, I love this English word, gobsmacked, to listen to uh, <laughs> today. He's an amazing individual with an amazing story to tell. And um, the idea here around the soul of business, and I'll just touch base on this very briefly, um, the notion that organizations have a soul uh, is something that's been dear to me for some time because I think that everything actually has a, a founding spirit of some sort. And I'm going to use the word founding spirit as, as kind of the, uh, the anchor here. Every organization has been founded on some source of an idea, just a spark of an idea, which is sourced from something that wants to live. And that ends up becoming ideally the mission of the organization. And when that mission is being fully expressed, we've got some pretty good things going on in an organization, particularly if we've been um, disciplined enough to create a business that can actually deliver on the promise of the mission. And the idea of a soul of business, we come back to the soul when we start taking a look at questions around employee engagement. You know, why do we have disengaged employees and you know, Gallup's latest data that hasn't changed in, as far as I know, about 25 years um, says that we've got about 87% of the population on the planet disengaged from their work process, which is a, it's a hugely expensive proposition. Connecting back to the founding mission, the spirit, the soul of the business is what uh, I, I, I'm interested in exploring and talking about. So that is the genesis of this podcast, the soul of business. How do we get back to it? How do we keep it alive? And what's the price that we pay for not doing so? And what's the benefit of doing so? So those are some of the areas that we play with and some of the areas that we explore in this. And in that vein, I'm very excited today to be able to bring to you uh, a very dear friend. I've known uh, this fellow for a number of years now. And full disclosure, uh, we are both members of an organization called the Transformational Leadership Council. And that's where I first met him. And I was you know, just uh, enamored by who he was, number one, but number two, what he had accomplished. So, Ivan Meisner. Ivan is uh, Dr. Ivan Meisner, uh, got a PhD uh, from the University of Southern California, um, is the founder and currently the chief visionary officer of an organization called BNI, the Business Network International. And BNI is the largest networking organization on the planet. I mean, it, it truly is. Um, 11.2 uh, million referrals this last year, resulting in about 14. $1.2 billion, with a B, dollars in business being generated. They just passed a threshold mark, uh, actually this week, I believe, or this month, um, of a quarter of a million dues-paying members. It is the largest business networking organization on the planet. And you know, Ivan is their founder and uh, their godhead, so to speak. Um, Ivan is fascinating. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a book that he's written, uh, called Who's in Your Room, but uh, that's only one of 23 books that he's written. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, he's also called uh, The Father of Modern Networking by CNN, and he's one of the top networking experts uh, identified by Forbes. Um, he was also uh, named Humanitarian of the Year by the Red Cross and uh, was recently the recipient of, and this is a very cool thing, the John C. Maxwell Leadership Award. Um, and in his spare time, he's an amateur musician, musician, no, magician, 
Uh, I've heard him play music. He's not a musician. He's a magician. And this one I didn't know, a black belt in karate. So all of that being said, just to humanize you a little bit, uh, you're kind of a fun guy. Uh, watched you hug a tree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into that. But I want to welcome Ivan Meisner. Ivan, welcome to the show. Uh, Blaine, thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be on. Uh, and uh, I love, uh, I love uh, doing the videos that we've done for my blog. And I love the work you do. It truly is my pleasure. You, 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 we're starting to kind of look like brothers because I, I'm, I'm growing out the beard. So, uh, but but mine's, a little, mine's a little grayer than yours. Well, I'm just glad people aren't calling me the grandfather of modern networking. <laughs> Father will work. Yeah. So how did you come up with the idea of BNI? I'll just start with that because that is kind of a legacy play for you in one sense. Well, I, yeah, you know, I, I started BNI in 1985, so 34 years ago. Uh, I, I'd like to tell you I had this vision of an international organization with groups all over the world. But the truth is that I was looking for referrals for my consulting practice. And I put together a group of people who I uh, trusted and I was willing to refer. I was hoping that they would be willing to do the same for me. We got together, we started passing each other business and people came from the very beginning. We only allowed one person per profession. So it was one banker, one lawyer, one this, and, and I was the management consultant and people came who couldn't join. And they said, Hey, would you help me open up um, my own group? And Blaine, I actually at first said, no, this, is, this isn't what I do. Really? Okay. I'm a business consultant. I don't, I don't do networks. And they, they kind of talked me into it. And we, within a year, we had 20 groups. In a year? And, yeah, within one year, without trying. And in, in one the, geographic area? What's that? It was in one geographic area? or Yeah, all in Southern California at that point. Yeah, okay. So um, it hit me. I've always taken between Christmas and New Year's every year for probably 35, 40 years. I've taken a few days to a week off and reflected mm -hmm. and thought uh, about how did my, you know, uh, what, what are my goals in the next five years? What are my goals in the next 10 years? How did my goals last year, uh, you know, did I hit them? How did I do? That year I sat down and I thought, what the hell just happened? <laughs> this, this was not part of my plan at all. And, and that's when it hit me, this, the concept of push marketing versus pull marketing, uh -huh. where you're, when you're pushing and pushing and it's hard work uh, to generate business. And, and then there are times where you're just pulled through the marketplace. And I realized that I was actually experiencing pull marketing. I was being pulled through the marketplace. And, I, and that was the point at which I said, pay attention, Ivan, to myself, pay attention. Because... This is something special. When you open 20 groups without trying, what could you do if you tried? And that's when I created the plan to scale BNI. We now have 8,900 groups in more than 70 countries around the world. And um, that, that's sort of the this, this story of, of how, how you know, we, we got to where we are. Well, yeah, just kind of picking up on that. Yeah, if there was, you know, in my vernacular here, if there was a soul to BNI, that was present back then. How would you, I mean, if you could label it, how would you describe it? So, you know, one of the things that I did well, and, and I would urge this for anyone in business, is to really find a principal core value. You, you have got to get good with what your mission is. You have to be really clear on your mission. I would urge you to create a clear vision statement. 
But in all of that process, you need to have a principal core value. And one of the things that I, you know, I did a lot of things wrong. One of the things I did right was come up with a, a, a very simple principal core value. And I, we, you can say it in two words. And if you went to any BNI chapter anywhere in the world and you said in two words, what's the principal core value of this organization, they would tell you, giver's gain. Giver's gain. Giver's gain. If you want to get business, you have to be willing to give business. And, you know, more and more now people get that, that law of reciprocity. But back in 1985, networking was very mercenary. You'd go to networking meetings and, you know, you felt like you'd been slimed. I wanted to go home and get a shower because everybody was trying to sell to me. And those were, and and on the other hand, I went to groups and it was very social. It was happy hour and hors d'oeuvres and nobody was doing business. And I didn't like either of those. And so for me, giver's gain was so critical. And, it's, and I would urge your listeners, your viewers, to, to come up with a principal core value that's simple for people to understand so they get it very quickly. And that creates the foundation of the spirit, of the culture, of the soul of the business. Well, I, and I love that it's only two words. Yeah. yeah I, and you and, and I both, I mean, I've been <laughs> consulting for 40 years. And mission statements that go on for paragraphs. It's like, yeah, well, our mission statement is longer, but, but it's, even that's only a few sentences. Um, and so I, I think the way you create the soul of a business is, is to have a clear mission, to have a clear vision, and they are different. Uh, in, in, in a sentence or two, your vision is your long-term plan. It's your long-term goal, yeah. not your plan, your long-term goal. You may never get there. Our vision statement is changing the way the world does business. Well, that's a pretty big vision. You know, that's, that's big. Our mission, though, is to help people increase each other's business through a structured, positive, supportive referral marketing program. So that's, that's the way we're going to accomplish the vision. The core values are the foundation of it all. Giver's gain is one of them. Accountability, relationships, lifelong learning, um, recognition. These are some of the core values. And all of these create the culture. And I believe culture eats strategy for breakfast. That if you are part of an organization that has a great strategy and a marginal culture, you're going to likely, you're going to likely to be a company that fails. Yep, yep. But if you've got a company that's got a great culture and, and an okay strategy, you'll succeed. If you're a company with a great strategy and a great culture, you are going to be the industry leader because I think culture is the secret sauce to a successful business. So let me tell you something. Let me tell you one thing that I've never heard anyone say. Uh I talked about culture. I talked about um, um, the, 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 the core values, the mission, the vision, but how do you get to those core values? And very few people talk about how do you get those core values. And I think it's more than just sitting down and writing, that, writing what you think your core values are. Mm-hmm. Here's what, what you want to do. You want to take a look at your business. And it's okay to write down a few of your core values, but then observe your business and watch your traditions. The traditions of your business, the things that you do and you do consistently, those are your traditions. Traditions tell us who we are as a tribe. And if you can look at what your really valuable traditions are, those are your core values. Right. 
So in your, I'm going to take this all the way back to Giver's. Giver's game. Giver's game. Were, were you, what, what behaviors were you noticing? What traditions were you noticing such that you landed on Giver's game? Yeah, so we started before we did landed on Giver's Game because that didn't happen when we opened the door. That was a year or two later. Um, we talked about the law of reciprocity and the importance of giving to people before you expect referrals. You, you, the best way to build a relationship is to help someone else. And if you help someone else, then you build a relationship and they want to help you. And so um, that's what led to then the phrase uh, Giver's Game because uh, it was really about helping other people first you know, you don't, don't, you don't have to be stupid about it. You don't have to continue to give, give, and give if no one's giving back. But I believe that if you connect with somebody and you respect them and you think they're good at what they do, before you ask for anything, give to them, help them, support them, and then, um, and then sit down with them and tell them how you, they can help you and, and, and you will get business in return. Love do people ever abuse that? Yeah, sometimes. But way more people uh, believe in that and practice that when that's what you lead with. And, and that is, for me, it's so consistent with the ethos of what I call compassionate capitalism, you know, which yeah. is predicated on everything's connected. So I want to take care of those connections. You know, that's kind of what it you know, ultimately comes down to. Exactly. The other piece around culture, and I love that you brought culture into the conversation here because that is an area that I think is absolutely it's talked about, but not very many organizations really, in my experience, pay particular no. attention to it. But and isn't that really the soul of business? That is. Well, that's where soul is expressed. Or Yeah, not. okay. Fair enough. It's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's where if you're really paying attention to it, it, you will, to your point, the traditions will show up in your culture if you're yeah. really nurturing uh, that whole process. If you're not, things become reified and... Yeah, every now and then a blade of grass will stick up through the concrete. And, uh, but, but that's not the same as having a thriving culture that has, a, you know, just this verdant lawn. That kind of, wow, this is cool. Um, you wrote a book just recently called Who's in Your Room? Yeah. And I think it's a fascinating book, and I can't recommend it highly enough to, uh, to the listeners and, and viewers here. It's an amazing little book. And specifically in terms of... Uh, developing culture in a business and keeping the soul and the spirit of the business alive. Uh, two things here. One is just kind of a very brief overview of the thesis of the book and then the applicability of it to what we're talking about now. Oh, my networking. Yeah. And, and, and you really have to start with understanding the concept of the book. Yeah. So let me see if I can give it to you in two minutes. Imagine you live your life in one room and that one room has only one door and that one door is an enter only door so that when people come into your room or into your life, they're there forever. You can never get them out. Now, luckily this is a metaphor, but if it were true, Blaine, would you be more selective about the people that you'd let into your life? Oh yeah. Yes. That's what everybody says. Yeah. So then the question is, why aren't we? And I would argue that it's more than a, a metaphor. And if you're watching this or listening to this, I'd love you to think, think of someone, Blaine, I want you to think of someone who is out of your life, but they were really difficult when they were in your life. They were either toxic or difficult or full of drama and just created chaos in your life. Do you have someone? You don't have to name them. Okay. But do, you, yeah. do you have someone? Got somebody. Okay. If you're, if you're watching this, do you have someone? I want you to think of someone. Okay. 
Now, here's my point. If you can still think of them, they're still in your head. And if they're in your head, they're in your room. They never, you can't get them out. We interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen, who's the brain uh, neuroscientist. And he, he had uh, the piece, uh, the uh, um, public broadcasting uh, specials. And one of the things he said was, you can't, you can't delete those memories from your mind. And so uh, what we recommend is that you've got to get control of your room. You've got to create a process where you're bringing in people that add value to your life and not people who uh, just take away uh, value from your life. And that's, the, in, in a couple of minutes, the theme to the book. And you overlay that onto an organization and its cultures. And all of a sudden, you've got a recipe for actually tending to and developing a healthy, thriving culture. Yes. And in an in a organization or in a network, uh, in that environment, just as, as in life, the quality of the people in your network determine the quality of the, uh, the network itself. The quality of the people in your life determine the quality of your life. And so it really is, you know, mom got it right. Uh, you know, hang out with people that, 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 uh, that are good for you. Don't hang out with uh, those, those bad kids. You know? Mom got it right. Well, you know, being, yeah, the, the, uh, the old saw that I'm a composite of the five people that I hang out with sort of a yeah. thing. That, that it's very of, true. Yeah. Yeah. And they're bouncing around in my room. So. Yes, they are. And, and, and unfortunately, even those people that, um, you know, were in your life and are now out of your life, they're still bouncing around in your room in the sense that your room is your head. It's your mind. And you will always have these memories, both good and bad. And so what you want to do is get better at screening out people that don't contribute to your life effectively. And so one of the things we recommend is you need, you need to hire a doorman. Now, I don't mean to actually go out and hire a physical doorman, but your doorman is your conscious and subconscious mind that screens people out based on your values. And so a large part, part of the book, an important part, it's not a large section, but an important section of the book is about getting good with your values. Because if you don't understand your values, you can't train yourself to screen out the right people. And here's the place to start. And we touched upon this, but uh, I think it's critical. Start with deal breakers. Start with deal Deal breakers. If I had to redo the book, I would actually move deal breakers to the front of that chapter. Because when I ask people, okay, give me your top seven personal life values. It's like deer in the headlights. They're like, um, well, uh, uh, honesty. Oh, okay, good. What are the other six? And they, they, they struggle. But if I ask people, give me some of your deal breakers. What, what are things that you just absolutely cannot tolerate in people? It is amazing. They can just come up with one right after another. For me, it was drama. Uh, people dripping in drama all the time. We all have drama. I have drama. I'm guessing you have a little, but, but I'm talking about these people that are always, their life is always full of drama. Yep. And I looked around as I was working on this book and I realized I had a fair number of people <laughs> with lots of drama in my room. And you know what? I realized it was all my fault uh -huh. because I let them in there. Some of them I let in on purpose. I held the door open Come and on. I knew they were full of drama, but they were also good at what they did. So I figured, well, I could deal with that. 
No, maybe I could, but the people around them, the other people in my room couldn't, and that created chaos. See, and, and so and my really doorman now screens for drama. Yeah, I, and I love that piece. I mean, you know, I, I, in a lot of the work that I do with some of the clients that I have, yeah, you know, personnel issues crop up, not yeah. infrequently. And one of the things that I recognized a number of years ago that many organizations will hire people for what they can do. They'll let them in the room for what they yes. can do. And then they will fire them for who they are. Yes. So That is so incredibly true. Yeah. Hey, let me give you one more deal breaker that I think you'll like. And I, I don't think you've heard about this and it's not in the book. Uh -huh. But in, in your beautiful marriage, you'll love this deal breaker. My wife and I have some deal breakers together. Mm -hmm. One of our deal breakers is that we will only go out with other couples who love and respect each other. I love that. And look, and again, you know, not everybody is always as loving as they can be or as respectful. I'm, I'm talking about the way they generally behave. Yeah. And so we only spend time with other couples who treat each other in a loving way or a respectful way and a respectful way. Mm -hmm. And those are the couples that we wanna spend time with if they don't, that's a deal breaker. We don't spend time with them. So I, I love that. And I love being in your room in that regard. <laughs> I, mean, I truly do. Yeah, you yes. and, you and We've spent time with you guys. Oh, I know. And you and Beth are two of our favorite people on the planet. Yeah. Um, and that, that notion of deal breaker, because you know, I, mean, I, I like the juxtaposition between clarifying values you know, from just you know, write down your values. The deal breaker conversation, though, really is a values clarification, obviously, values clarification piece. And I think it actually, as, I, as I'm listening to you on this, has more relevance to what we're looking at because these deal breakers are actually the pollutants yes. that compromise the, the culture and ultimately cover the soul of the, uh, the, the organization, if I'm not paying attention to it. Oh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, and you've got to look at both because you yeah. can't just look at what what you don't want, you also have to observe what you do want. Yeah, and exactly. so you need both. But I have found that just based on human nature, it's easier to figure out what you don't want first. Yeah. It's a little harder to figure out what you really want. And, and so if I had to do that chapter over, I would flip that. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if, you're, if your followers uh, read the book, um, look for that in the last part of the chapter on values because I think it's critical. Now, is Who's in your room? Is there a subtitle? I can't the subtitle is The Secret to Creating Your Best Life. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So just the subtitle you know, also could be The you know, Secret to Creating Your Best Organization. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm being oh, no, Listen, when I wrote this book, why do you think this book resonated with me? Yeah. The concept, and the concept came to me from our mutual friend, Stuart Emery. Yes. And Stuart uh, is the one that, uh, you know, shared the concept with me. And I loved it so much. I love it because it so fits one's personal network. You want to build a powerful personal network. You have to surround yourself with the right people. If you surround yourself with the wrong people, that network will fail. I've been to many networking groups. I mean, obviously with BNI. And, and I've seen groups that were fantastic and incredibly successful. And then I've seen networking groups that sucked. That's the technical term. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for it is almost always the people in the room. Mm -hmm. the people in the room make all the difference in the success of that group. And it's not necessarily who, it, who makes the most money, but it's who's willing to help one another the most. Those are the groups that are amazing. Givers gain. Givers gain.
And that, I think that that's probably where we should, you know, start putting a bow on this. Uh, I want to thank you, Ivan, um, taking time. I know your schedule is very busy. I also know that you just came back from a wedding, and I want to <laughs> just congratulate you on that. Thanks. Uh, not your wedding, but uh, your Not son. mine. I've been married 30 years this year. <laughs> and uh, One of our children. One of your children. So congratulations on that. But I also just very sincerely want to thank you for you know, taking the time you know, to, to be on, on this podcast. Where can people get a hold of you if they want more information? And is there anything in particular that you would like to have them you know, pay attention to with you? Or Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Well, I, no, I appreciate that. So, you know, if for, for your followers, uh, uh, I'm very active on, I'm active on most of the social media sites, but most active on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com um, slash Ivan Meisner dot BNI founder. That's my public site. Uh, lots of great content there. And, and also um, my blog is Ivan I've been blogging since 2007 and uh, t- twice a week since 2007. There's just tons of free content up there on Ivan And of course, go to Amazon and you can find who's in your room. It's a quick read, two hours. Yep. Very actionable. Yeah, I lo- and I love the size of that book. Like we were commenting before we went on air here. Uh, you know, if you go across country, you've got the book read. You know, yeah. that, and it's, and it's you know, immediately applicable. You know, it's a gem of a book. Thank um, you so much. I appreciate it, Blaine. Oh, thanks I, for everything you do. Uh, you know, I, I've seen the work you do. It's really amazing. Um, you're a fantastic member in the Transformational Leadership Council. Uh, you're, 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 a, you're a serious dude on what you do. Um, I mean, the, the kinds of... Um, Work that you do makes a big difference in people's lives, and uh, I appreciate you. Well, thank you very much for saying that. I appreciate that. Thank you. This is Blaine Bartlett. This has been The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, You can find out more information by going to my website, blainebartlett.com. And The Soul of Business, you can pick it up at any of the uh, regular places. I won't enumerate them all. Okay. And again, to my guest, Ivan Meisner, thank you very much. This is Blaine Bartlett, and until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.